welcome back to our podcast, Coffee and Bible Time. And I am Taylor. And I'm Ashley. And we're so excited to be here. This is our second podcast in our series, and we are just having fun with it. Yeah, we're hoping you guys are enjoying it as much as we are. We love doing this. Yeah, we do. We we had a second wind with our channel with this Coffee and Bible Time podcast. Yeah, it's giving us a lot of joy and just we're really excited just to be chatting with you guys. Our heart's intention and our heart's desire is that you guys would um, see Christ through us. So obviously you can't see us, but I mean the YouTube fam cam, but <laughs> yeah, just that you would, you know, see Christ and, and be encouraged. We're, we're not perfect at all. You'll probably figure that out. Obviously fast. we're a human being. So, you know, Praise the Lord for his grace. <laughs> so today, today's topic is a little bit interesting, and the reason why it's interesting is because, A, it's controversial in the Christian realm, and B, it swept the nation, I'd say, and it is the Enneagram. It's totally taken over the Myers-Briggs. Oh, yeah. Myers-Briggs who? Sorry if you guys still love that. Love the thing, but Myers-Briggs yeah. who? And today we're going to be talking about the Enneagram. For those of you who are skeptics of it, I, Ashley, have been a skeptic of it before. And, you know, Taylor kind of just jumped right in. She was never really a skeptic. <laughs> but there's people yeah. like that, too. So, I mean, if you're a skeptic of the Enneagram, I would just say hold off the judgments. Hold off the initial backlash towards this podcast, towards this video. And, you know, just listen with an open heart. That's what I would suggest as a former skeptic. Mm-hmm. And something else to keep in mind is to not make it your Bible and to not look to it for your every needs like you would look to Jesus for. Yeah, and I'll be talking that, about that a little more. Okay. So what would you like to start off with, Ash? Oh, I'm starting today. I feel honored. So... I will start with, oh, sorry, you don't like that noise. You know what I should actually say is maybe I should read to them what the Enneagram is. I put this down. Oh, yeah. You know what? We have to start with that. For those of you who don't know what the Enneagram is, here's what the Enneagram is. Okay. So the Enneagram is a system of personality typing that describes patterns and how people conceptualize the world and manage their emotions. It has nine basic types, and it can help you identify your hidden strength. Quote, at its core, the Enneagram helps us to see ourselves at a deeper, more objective level and can be of invaluable assistance on our path to self-knowledge. End quote. That was all quoted from the internet. <laughs> but yeah, that's the kind of definition I found. It, it's very scientific-y sounding. Yeah. I see it as a tool to understand, understand yourself better, to understand other people better, and... It's a wonderful tool, and I think it can really help us. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to be getting into today. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, so I'm just going to start with my journey. I'm Ashley, and I started as a skeptic of the Enneagram because my sister told me about it, and she's like, oh my gosh, the Enneagram, this, that, this, that. And I was like, literally, my personality type is like, mm -mm, I am not going to hold on to this if it ain't true. And I'm going to research, and I'm going to see if this is legit. And honestly, I just blew it off, but then you just kept talking to me more and yeah, more. Yeah, it's because I thought I found her number, and I was like, 
this is all, I have all these juicy tidbits about you. I was like, listen, Ashley, you have to understand. And it's because I kept like pestering her, pestering her. I was like, you need to listen to this Enneagram. Like, it's so interesting. It helps you learn why you do all these things that you do. And everybody, like all the different nine types have different reasons why they do what they do. And for her number, I was like, I was reading through it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I totally found my sister. And I was like trying to tell her. And when I was reading it, I was thinking I was being encouraging, but she was actually getting really offended. Like every time I read it to her, it was like, she was like, please stop. You don't know who I am. This doesn't define me. And looking mm-hmm. back, I was, I didn't understand where she was coming from. But now that I feel like it's blown up a lot, I can see why people get offended. Because it does kind of sound like you're labeling someone and putting them into a box. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's saying, okay, there's only nine types of people out there. Well, at least this is what I saw it as. There's only nine types of people out there, and if you have to fit into this mold. And I was like, I'm like, we're all different. But within each number, there's There's 27 of, subtypes. Yeah. And within, within each number, there's all these different types. So I, I'm a one on the Enneagram, Ashley. I'm a one. And I've met so many different ones, and a lot of us are very different. Mm -hmm. A lot of us have different personality types. Some are introverts. Some are extroverts. Some are homebodies. Some are outgoing. Um, So it's not necessarily saying you're this one person and you have to be this person because this is who you are. Mm -hmm. But You can't look at somebody else and if they're the same number as you think to yourself, oh my gosh, I'm like that person that can't be me. Or even if you're reading it, you read all these things. And and something that's interesting about the Enneagram is it lists a lot of characteristics that might be your downfall or might be reasons why you aren't reaching your goals or doing what you're doing because it's what you naturally tend to do. And it can be discouraging when you read it and it can feel like, why am I even reading into this? It's just depressing. It's just saying, I'm an anxious person, or it's just saying that I'm a control freak, or it's just saying that I'm a lazy person. I'm a lazy person, exactly. Mm-hmm. So we just wanted to kind of go on here to talk about what Enneagram numbers we have and how it changed our relationships as sisters. Yeah, so let me keep going with my story. Um, so I used to be skeptical, but then I started reading up on my number, and I just kind of realized that it was a lot like me. And number one. I'm number one on the Enneagram, which is the perfectionist or the reformer. So I have this inner compass within me that wants to be perfect. And I beat myself up when I'm not perfect and when I mess up. And I'm my harshest critic. But I still was somewhat of a skeptic. And then I ended up, me and my sister went through a really, really, really rough patch. And it was when... I just couldn't figure out why my sister was doing the things she was doing. And it really frustrated me because I wanted her to be exactly like me, exactly like my mold. I wanted her to be as much of a go-getter as I was. I wanted her to work as hard as I was working. And um, honestly, I overdo everything. And so to expect that from her was not right. She has a very hard time resting, even today. And so... um, Anyways, I read on the Enneagram what, our relation, what a relationship between a 1 and a 9 is. And my sister was a 9, is a 9. Well, we're not sure if she's a 9 anymore. But anyways, I read our relationship and I, I, my eyes were opened and I was like, are you kidding me? 
this is why we fight so much. It helped me to realize that I need to accept our differences Mm -hmm. rather than trying to change Taylor to be like me because we're different people and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And how I see the Enneagram is it's a great tool. And I know it's a great tool because of how much it helped me and Taylor in our life. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think where things can tend to go wrong for a Christian with Enneagram is when it, well, or for anybody, not just a Christian, but it it, it can tend to go wrong when we see it as our identity, Mm -hmm. when it starts to become like our identity, our our everything, like we define ourselves by this number Mm -hmm. and it becomes also, I've heard the excuse and I've done the excuse you know, well, that's just who I am. So I'm not going to change when the reality is, is that we're all trying as Christians to become more Christ-like and to become more like Jesus. And so if there's parts of me that aren't lining up with who Jesus is and who he was, a selfless, a selfless man of love and, um, of kindness and all those things, if my, if my personality, my character is going, weaving away from Christ-likeness, I can't just make the excuse, mm-hmm. I'm I'm a one. So, you know, that's just who I so am. So I just, you know, I struggle with overworking. And so it's okay if I don't rest because that's just who I am. That's yeah. not where you want to go with it. It's actually like, here are, your, here are some of your downfalls. Your strengths and, and weaknesses. Your strengths and weaknesses. Now that you know what your weaknesses are, you're able to work on them. And so kind of interestingly enough, as Ashley was talking about, how when we read the differences, I mean, like how ones and nines interact, which I'll read that to you right now. Um, she kind of paused and said, well, we don't know if she's a nine now. And I guess the reason why we say that is because when I first found out about the Enneagram, I related so much to a nine. When I read the nine, I was like, this is completely who I am. I mean, I was just, everything I read about it was, I could relate to because I thought that peace was my motivation. I wanted like everything was just related to just having inner peace. Tell them what a peace. nine is. A I, nine is is someone whose motivation peace, is yeah, their peace. peace. Yeah, nine's motivation is peace. And right, you know what? I'm just yeah. They're called the mediate the mediator. Basically, mm-hmm. they don't like conflict, and they're not extremely motivated. I mean, some nines I know are very motivated, but that's just because. That's how they feel peace the most. It's just wherever you feel peace the most. And so when I was doing that, I thought that was totally who I am. I was a people pleaser, you know, because I didn't want any conflict to arise. I didn't want to be, I mean, I wanted to be whatever anybody else wanted me to be because I felt like that's how I kept the peace and that's how I kept relationships going. But at home, that's not how you are. No, I was, I was different at home, but I wasn't like, as like, not looking for conflict. I wasn't a completely yes. different person. But I'm just saying, once I started going to a counselor, which I thought was a very eye-opening experience, it teaches you a lot of self-love and it teaches you to be kinder mm-hmm. towards yourself mm-hmm. and and it makes you realize how much you are you beating, have, yourself, beating up. yourself up. You're just a lot in your head. You think all these people are thinking different things about you. You're mind reading. Um, and then, you know, you just realize that's not how it is. Anyways, mm-hmm. going through counseling, I, I had a lot more like self-love for myself and I learned again how to go out into the real world and be myself. Keep going. And I learned a lot about how to just 
accept myself for who I am. And so once I did that, I kind of feel like I realized, you know, I felt like I was being less like a nine and more like a six. And um, now me being like, I don't want to say like I identify as a six. This just sounds so weird. But basically now, I mean, I kind of do identify as a six. I think I'm a six with a lot of nine tendencies. And that's because if you know the Enneagram, if you're a six, you go to nine when you're in times of, you know, it's either stress or healthiness. I can't remember. Unhealth. Yeah. When you're not your best. And which makes sense why we thought you were a nine because you were at a spot in your life that wasn't your best. But I I don't know that yet. I don't know if it's best or not best. Oh. See, but I mean, I'm just saying. Oh, okay. now <laughs> Now I do see myself as a, as a six. And I got confused because to me, a nine's motivation was peace. And a six's motivation is security. And I think I got the two mixed Those up a little similar. bit. They're very yeah. similar. And now that I've read more into it, I'm like, okay, I do things a lot more for security reasons and not for peace. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, I think that the nine part still applies to us. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to read it? Mm-hmm. Hopefully you so guys this find is So this, this is a relationship between a one and a nine. And here's the thing. If you guys have relationships... Even like love relationship, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, brother, sister, mom, and sister, sibling. sister. Yeah, it literally can be any relationship. You can look up what is their number and what's your number by taking the test. And then you can look up how your numbers interact. And I would suggest suggest this if you're having like relationship problems because it might help you. I mean, obviously First and foremost, turn to the Lord and pray. But this is this is a tool that can be helpful. Always seek the Lord first. Mm-hmm. You know, should I read a one and a six or should I read a one and a nine? Well, have we ever read the one and the six? No, but should we? Or should I do one and a nine? I don't know. Here's the thing. You know what? This is the real test. <laughs> Let's just see if a one and a six goes together because I'm still confused whether yeah. I'm a six or a nine. So a one is called the perfectionist. And the six is called the loyal skeptics. So here we go. Perfectionists and loyal skeptics often work synergistically in the pursuit of making a better world and correcting injustice. They are sensitive to each other and dedicated. But perfectionists can feel criticized and dig in with their one right way stance when the loyal skeptics question or doubt or seem inconsistent. A cycle of escalating conflict and blame can result when the perfectionist becomes more critical and angry, feeling that nothing can make the loyal skeptic secure and certain. In turn, the loyal skeptic can question the perfectionist to the point of becoming accusationary and mistrusting, feeling that nothing can satisfy the perfectionist's one right ray of being. All of this can lead to pain and even disruption or end to the relationship. I don't know how I feel about that. Do you want me to read the nine? Yeah. Okay, let me read the nine. I do feel like from that, a lot of times, I think there's only one right way to do things. Yes. And it's hard for me to relinquish control. But I don't know if that's you. Right. See, also a characteristic of a six is they tend to be more anxious. I feel like I am anxious, but I'm not sure 
if I'm always anxious. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And when a nine goes to a place of unhealthiness, they actually go to a six. So I could be a nine. Let's just read the nine. Okay. Perf- so the nine's called the mediator. Take that into consideration. Perfectionists and mediators often join together in attending to detail and leading an orderly, steady life. Perfectionists support mediators' development, and mediators encourage perfectionists to be more accepting. Mediators, however, can feel criticized and prodded instead of encouraged by perfectionists. As a result, mediators may end up feeling inferior. In attempting to please, they over accommodate and build up stubborn resistance that annoys and frustrates that is you that is you. <laughs> a cycle of escalating conflict can follow leading to further prodding of the mediator which creates a power struggle the two types can become stuck internally seething punctuated with angry outbursts this pattern is compounded since both types have difficulty knowing their real needs and desires over time, the relationship can deteriorate to extinction. Thon, thon, thon. Yeah, I think the one, the one and the nine are more like yeah, us. Yeah, that's, yeah. And that really helped me realize that I need to stop poking and prodding you and you will just do what you want when you want. And here's the thing. To a one, that the quote-unquote poking and prodding to them is encouragement. Like, they're yeah. trying to encourage you to be the best self you can be and to, you know, they're trying to motivate you. But to a nine, it's like it becomes this sort of feeling of, okay, I need to do all these things because I'm not good enough. You feel inferior because you can never live up to the same work ethic and standard that a one holds for themselves because ones hold the highest standards on themselves. And Mm -hmm. so whatever they're pushing onto you or prodding onto you isn't even comparable to what the what standard they put on themselves yeah and any time I try to get you to do something it's because I've already put that on myself and tried to accomplish it and Mm -hmm. I want I don't want to see you fail Mm -hmm. I don't want to see you make the same mistakes I've made so Mm -hmm. I really try to help you but that's the thing in life is that we each have to make our own mistakes in order to grow Mm -hmm. i mean it can be avoided by someone helping you but Mm -hmm. a lot of times you learn the most by doing it your own way Mm -hmm. failing and then relearning or maybe not failing maybe you did it your way and your way was everyone has a different way or i don't know it depends on what the situation is yeah but i think that ones think one way is right Mm -hmm. and they follow that with yes. their whole heart. And in a way, I think that's a form of stubbornness, but I feel like nines just have a tendency to be stubborn in general. I think it talks about that in the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. And I know that usually when we get in conflicts, usually something that comes up is, oh my gosh, you're so stubborn. Like, I can't even talk to you right now because you're not seeing the way I see. And usually that's directed towards me, and it can be true. Yeah, we're both stubborn, I think. We Mm -hmm. really are both stubborn. So it's something we have to work on. Yeah, and I think, you know what, that was good talking about us, but something that I wanted to also talk about was um, other numbers because some of our listeners probably, actually the majority of them probably aren't ones or nines um, Mm -hmm. and or sixes. So if you're another number, I kind of thought it would be fun to talk about like our friends, like some of our best friends and what numbers they are. Yeah. So I'm a one wing two. We haven't talked about two, but my roommate Molly is a two. This is Ashley. And 
She is the most genuine, kind, sweethearted girl I've ever met. I always tell her, you have such a pure heart. Mm -hmm. She's always thinking about other people. Very selfless. Always. Learn what theology is and how to study God within the Bible in course number seven of our In-Depth Bible Study Academy. In this academically built course, you will learn the tools to study God's character and nature within a Bible passage and how to grow closer to God relationally through Bible study. This course titled Theology, Knowing God Through In-Depth Bible Study is packed with teaching lessons, homework, quizzes, and a resource list for personal study. Head to our website, coffeeandbibletime.com, to learn more about the Academy and course number seven today. Use promo code CBT Podcast, that's CBT Podcast, to get 50% off this course right now at coffeeandbibletime.com. She's always selflessly laying down her life for others. And I look at her and I'm like, I want to be like that because I see Jesus through her so much. Mm -hmm. Um, One downside to being a two is that you never take care of yourself. And so that was one thing I did notice with Molly was sometimes I had to tell her like, you need to take care of yourself. You need to spend this time Mm -hmm. for you. And that is not wrong. It is not wrong to take care of yourself. And so I even have to tell myself that too because I'm a wing too. Mm -hmm. And you know what? One of my friends also was a wing too. And something that I noticed is that she would go along with a lot of things. It's hard to sometimes tell what they really want because they just want other people to be happy. They want to make other people happy. They want to make other people happy and they want to keep the relationship going. But my encouragement to twos, which maybe not all twos are like this, but is to try to open up more about what you want and to take time to take care of yourself. Yeah. Any other numbers? Yeah, any other number three. Um, Our mom is a three. Yeah, our mom is a three. One of my best friends, I think, is a three. Um, Olivia, if you're listening to this, love you, girl. She introduced me to podcasts. Um, But, yeah, threes, you know, they are achievers. They are success-driven um, they care. They really, really care about what people think about them. Yes, they do. And you know what? Whether or not it's subconscious or if they realize it, it's just something that they care about. Another thing to know about a three is that they are achievers. Definitely. I think looking at our mom, she accomplishes so much in a day. It's crazy. She mm-hmm. works a, a full-time job and then on top of that she works for coffee and bible time mm-hmm. as a mentor mama she, she takes care of five pets wait we four know. one died sorry i didn't mean to be grim <laughs> <laughs> four pets and she's a mother and she's a wife and she has a life she does, she does so much at church she's a mom's group and so she's also here's some other things that she is she's a motivator she is a role model she's really good at communicating like at helping mediate other things like communicating and things like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if all threes are like that. Maybe, maybe you just learn to do that as a mother, but yeah. So there, a three's basic fear is of being worthless and their basic desire is to feel valuable and worthwhile. So their key motivations, they want to be affirmed. They want to be distinguished. They want to distinguish themselves from others. They want to have attention. They want to be admired and they want to impress others. 
One time I was in a clock shop with my mom in Germany, and I was really loud and went, oh my gosh, that's the biggest clock I've ever seen. (laughs) Or I said it really loud, apparently, because sometimes I can be extremely loud and obnoxious. But um, my mom just got so mad at me for doing that. Not so mad. That sounds she like, was, it wasn't that mad. Like she was just like, she was very aware of her surroundings and the way that our family appeared to other people and was like, keep your voice down. We don't want to be mad. She's just like very aware of her, yeah. her surroundings. She wasn't mad. I perceived it as her being mad because it really hurt my feelings and shot me down that I just couldn't even be myself around her. And, I mean, I'm really blowing the situation out of the waters and out of proportion. But that, no, but, but that's, that's how you shows, felt in the moment. That's how I felt in the moment. And that just shows that we're all human beings. Mm-hmm. And certain things that someone might do might not intentionally – they probably aren't intentionally trying to hurt your feelings, but it hurts. Right. It's and just so, – it, you know, it's just people are motivated by their own desires. Like, she yeah. was aware of her surroundings when Ashley wants to – make me more perfect then sometimes it hurts me and it makes me feel inferior but it's only out of love that she's doing what she's doing yeah and then sometimes when you when i'm like come on like let's relax <laughs> let's relax or let's do this you get frustrated you're like no we have all these things we need to do and you know it just goes anyway any relationship and we need to be communicating mm-hmm. with each other i'd encourage you guys to communicate with your friends communicate with your significant other communicate with your parents talk to each other about what motivates you what what why do you do what you do and explain to each other just what 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 hurts like when mm-hmm. when me and taylor like taylor what what do i do that hurts you or the other way mm-hmm. around what do you do that hurts me mm-hmm. and when we communicate about the, these things when we tell each other it's it can only get better from there cuz then we know yep and so um yeah moving down the line though fours mm-hmm. you know four our brother is a four i think i, didn't know that. I, I think that my brother's a four i also knew someone growing up who was a four and it's interesting as a kid you know you are friends with these people you don't know what their enneagram number is and it doesn't even hit you like why they do what you do until you read the enneagram and you're reading a different personality type and you're like holy cow that person is that number and you just know like right away i feel like i want to hear yeah i feel like fours are one of the easier types to kind of realize because they're so unique um so a four is the individualist also known as the melancholic, the tragic victim, the special one, the artist. So in a nutshell, their basic fear is that they have no identity or personal significance, and their basic desire is to find themselves in their significance or to create an identity. So their key motivations, they want to express themselves in their individuality. They want to create and surround themselves with beauty. They want to maintain certain moods and feelings. They want to withdraw to protect their self-image. They want to take care of emotional needs before attending to anything else. And they tend to attract a rescuer. Andrew's going to edit this and be like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, seriously, though, like, all these Enneagram types are really cool. And you read that, and it does make sense. Because I'd say for the fours that I know, they tend to be withdrawn, definitely, and they will tend to aid to their emotional need before they go out and, you know, cater themselves to the world, um, i.e. a two 
might have so many mo- emotional needs they need to be they need to be meeting for themselves but they choose to put all these other people before themselves and be the best friend they can be because that's just their core motivation whereas for four they're they're trying i mean i could be wrong cuz i'm not four but they're trying to find a, a sense of self identity and they're also they also tend to be more withdrawn in general so i feel like I don't know. Everybody does something different. And but what about the extroverted four? I have not met an extroverted four. No, I'm just and you know what? There's also a lot of fours are extrovert. I mean, why am I saying a lot of fours? I only know two. I know probably three. But, um, you know, when you're kids, you tend to be more extroverted. And then I feel like when you get older, you can kind of start to see what people's numbers are more. Because, you know, yeah. they start to gain more of their own personality and individuality apart from their surroundings and their parents so a five is the investigator the thinker the innovator the observer the specialist the expert i know quite a few fives i think yeah i know a five what are who what what would you say about um some of the fives that you know what did you know very um well, I'm trying to think. One of my friends, Mackenzie, I think, is a five. Oh, really? She Let said me read she it. Was a five. Yeah, read it. A okay. Bit. Basic fear of being useless, helpless, or incapable. Basic desire is to be capable and competent. Their key motivations: they want to possess knowledge, to understand their environment, to have everything figured out, as a way of defending themselves from the threats of their environment. Yeah. Their leadership style: they lead by research, yeah. deliberation, and planning. So, some of the fives I know are very intellectual. Yes. Very, very intellectual. Um, I would completely agree with you on that. Yeah. The friend, my friend that I know that's a type four is a bookworm. A five. A five, I'm sorry. A five is, she's a bookworm. She loves reading. She tends to go through phases where she'll focus on one topic and, like, gain all the information she knows about that one topic. Does she and then recognize she'll move on. she's a five? Yes, she does. And... Yeah, I mean, interesting. I mean, I don't have a lot to say. Yeah, I don't know fives very well because I'm trying to think about the fives in my life, but um, just very intellectual, very um, wants to know a lot. Yeah, I'm in but agreement with that. I would like to get to know more okay, about Okay, so a seven, the enthusiast. Also known as the multitasker, the wonder kind, the connoisseur, and the energizer. Their basic fear is of being deprived and in pain, and their basic desire is to be satisfied and content to have their needs fulfilled. Key motivations, they want to maintain their freedom and happiness to avoid missing out on worthwhile experiences, to keep themselves excited and occupied, and to avoid and discharge pain. So I know a seven. I think I know one seven. Do I know any sevens? Well, I think here's what I've noticed about sevens is that they do, they are like very positive people to be around at least. I mean, I don't live with any sevens, but they're pretty positive. They keep upbeat. They like to do things. I feel like something I notice is they like to These aren't the always people, be right? stimulated. Yeah. They, they, oh, sevens are the party they're people? Kind of, I thought that well, was the eight. I mean, not party. They're like the life of the party, kind of. I thought that was eight. No, eights are... We'll go through an eight. As you can tell, folks, I am not an Enneagram expert. <laughs> but I would say they do experience FOMO. Like, So is an Angie a seven? Sorry, guys. I'm just trying to figure out what 
Yeah, I think is. Angie's a seven. I think Sophie's a seven. Oh, so sevens are outgoing and well, that's, life of the party. Right. I mean, see, we don't know anything about the Enneagram. They, there could be an introverted seven. I don't know. We don't know anything about the Enneagram. We don't, <laughs> just, did I say that? We don't know enough of these people, and we and haven't I studied enough of the numbers. Right, and I don't want to go as far as to make generalizations and make someone who's listening maybe feel like they're being misrepresented, and this should just be a disclaimer right now. We are not experts. But from what, what I know, I think that sevens do tend to like to keep the happy feeling alive. Okay. Yeah. So, and then an eight is the challenger. Leader, I know eights. Leader, protector, provider, entrepreneur, rock. Their basic fear is of being harmed and controlled by others. And their basic desire is to protect themselves or to be in control of their own life and destiny, their key motivations. They want to be self-reliant to improve their strength and resist weakness to be important in their world, to dominate the environment, and to stay in control of their situation. I know eights, and and this explains very well the eights I know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You don't, it sounds like you have a little bit. (laughs) I can tend to butt heads with eights because one's, are Ones similar. and eights are very strong-willed, I think. Strong-willed. You know what you want, and you like control. Yes. And so, yeah. Yeah, I think the eights that I tend to notice are... I also notice that a lot of eights are sarcastic. I don't know if that's... I don't know if that's... That's a, probably not a thing, but sarcasm can tend to... That's just a personal thing That's a you. personal thing. It gets under my skin. So. But from the eights that you know, they tend to be sarcastic. I would say the eights that I know... I have a lot of friends who are eights, and I think as a nine, we go well together in the sense that I'm just very more laid back, and they take charge more. And from the, from the eights friends that I had, like, they kind of, like, stuck up for me, and they would not take care of me, but just, like, be more of They're the, willing to take control. They want to. So yeah, they're, they're going to carry you. They're going to take charge. They're going to be yes. the leaders. And you can relax and sit back knowing that and having peace that they're going to be in control. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It does change it depending on what wing you have. <gasps> okay. And eight is called the challenger. That's why a lot of eights I know are sarcastic. They like to challenge you. Right? Well, I mean, sarcasm, sometimes sarcasm can be cha- cha- like. <laughs> can be a, a little bit of a challenge, but I'd say also maybe debating. Yeah. They aren't afraid to get in a little debate with you because they're challengers. Wow, I've never burped on a podcast, but here here I am. So, yeah, I think we've kind of been through all the Enneagram numbers because yep. Ashley and I are the first and the last. Yeah. And we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to make you feel like this is who you are. Like, I... Like, don't feel like you have to be boxed into the number or what we said no. about the numbers. Um, I would just say take it with a grain of salt. This is not the Bible. This is not your everything. Mm-hmm. This is not our identity. Mm-hmm. This is a simply a tool to help us understand what we, why we do things and how can we become better people. And so um, I think that the, the title of this podcast is... Something about should Christians use the Enneagram? Should Christians use the Enneagram? And to to pull that full circle, I do not think it's wrong for a Christian to use the Enneagram in a right way, Mm -hmm. in a God-honoring way to use it as a tool to help you become more like Jesus, become more like Christ. And um, 
yes, of course, I can see why it can be used. It can be used in in ways that are not God honoring, but I would just say for those of you who want to use it in a God honoring way, go for it. Um, if you're very skeptical and you want to write five million comments about how we are Satanists for using the Enneagram, I would say hold back on that because. We don't want to be legalistic Christians mm-hmm. who hate on each other and who want to divide each other. Christians are supposed to stand together and stand in unity. And so I think that if you disagree, of course, go ahead, disagree. You can think what you want. And and I would just say that please be, be loving and peaceful in the mm-hmm. comments. And so, there's a world of people out there that are using the Enneagram to help, help them become a person more godly person. Yeah. If I could recommend a book. There's any Christian Enneagram books that are so helpful. And this isn't like astrology. You know, it's not like they're pulling it out of their buttocks. It's just like you read (laughs) it and you can relate. It's just like the Myers-Briggs. You take a personality test and your results are curated based off of the answers that you put. So it's not like you're looking at Saturn and saying, oh, that's right. I knew that I was going to be constipated today. It just seems like <laughs> it just things like that. But also, if I could recommend a book for you guys, Mirror to the Soul. I'm not sure who the author is. I did read that a while back. It's a Christian Enneagram book. I would recommend that. But thank you guys so much for listening. This was a long-winded episode. Um, but we'll see you in our next yeah video podcast. Bye, guys.